FM, a continuing source of inspiration.
as a punk rocker with flowers in my hair In 77 and 69 revolution was in the air I was born too late into a world that doesn't care Oh, I wish I was a punk rocker with flowers in my hair When the head of state didn't play guitar, not everybody drove a car When music really mattered and when radio was king When accountants didn't have control and the media couldn't buy your soul When computers were still scary and we didn't know everything Oh, I wish I was a punk rocker with flowers in my hair 77 and 69 revolution was in the air I was born too late into a world that doesn't care Oh, I wish I was a punk rocker with flowers in my hair When pop stars still remained a myth And ignorance could still be bliss And when God saved the queen She turned a white shade of pale my mom and dad were in their teens and anarchy was still a dream And the only way to stay in touch was a letter and the mail Oh, I wish I was a punk rocker with flowers in my hair In 77 and 69, revolution was in the air I was born too late into a world that doesn't care Record shops were still on top and vinyl was all that they stopped And the super info highway was still drifting out in space Kids were wearing hand-me-downs and playing games Men kick arounds and footballers still had long hair and dirt across their face Oh, I wish I was a punk rocker with flowers in my hair in 77 and 69, revolution was in the air I was born too late into a world that doesn't care That was Sandy Thorne with I Wish I Was a Punk Rocker. You're listening to Chin FM here on 106.9 and you're about to listen to the very first instalment of something we are tentatively calling The Reunion Show. Given that our original plans for our 50th birthday had to be slightly scrapped and modified due to the ongoing outbreak of coronavirus, we are going to be doing something a little bit different. Every Saturday night from 7pm till 9pm, we are going to be having a alumni meetup via Zoom. Alumnus, alumni of Tune FM so that we can have a bit of a chat and compare things now to what they were in the olden days, uh, shall we say, and we're going to bring you some amazing music from different years throughout the history. So we're going to start with 1970, which was, of course, the first year of Tune FM's operation, called something very different back then. We're going to play you a song back then called Everybody's Talking by Harry Nilsson, and after that we'll get a few of our guests involved through Zoom. So thank you for tuning in. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM. Here is Everybody's Talking from Midnight Cowboy by Harry Nilsson. Everybody's talking at me I don't hear words they're saying Only the echoes of my mind People stopping staring I can't see their faces Only the shadows of their eyes 
the sun keeps shining through the pouring rain. Going well, the weather suits my clothes. Banking off of the northeast winds, sailing on summer breeze, and skipping over the ocean like a stone. Like a stone Everybody's talking at me Can't hear a word they're saying Only the echoes of my mind I won't let you leave my love behind That was Everybody's Talking by Harry Nilsson. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM, part of our reunion show that we have this Saturday and Saturdays going forward for the foreseeable future. We're just having a few more guests potentially come and join us here on Zoom, so we won't throw over to them just yet. We're going to bring you another song from 1970, Have You Ever Seen the Rain by Credence Clearwater Revival, a band that found a fair amount of success and fame in the 70s. Of course, the political attitudes back in that time sort of uh, helped their music flourish, shall we say. So here is Have You Ever Seen the Rain by Credence Clearwater Revival. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM. We'll be right back.
You just heard Have You Ever Seen the Rain by Credence Clearwater Revival on 106.9 Tune FM. We're going to get our first two guests involved now. They are joining us through Zoom. Thank you so much to them for agreeing to join us. We have Comrie Bucknell now uh, at during UNE known as John, and we have Lance Jones as well. So we're going to bring them on right now. Uh, say hello, guys. Hello, guys. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Sorry, that's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, mate. How are you? How is it? How are, how is everybody in Armadale? Um, I don't th- bear with us, folks. We are having a few technical dramas here that <laughs> makes things a tad uh, unfortunate. But in a way, it is fairly uh, thematically correct. Obviously, being 50 years old, the radio station kicked off in 1970 and went through a few uh, speed bumps, shall we say? Um, I think would be a fairly accurate way of describing it. So please bear with us while we figure out how to get the Zoom audio connected and through to the system. Uh, As soon as we can get that started, we will get Lance and Comrie on. Uh, Our station manager's in the the studio now trying to see if we can fix it and figure out exactly why it's not playing. Um, So uh, we think we might have fixed it. Uh, Lance, we'll try you. Can you just say hello, see if it'll work? Hello, see if it'll work. Okay, apparently not. Um, <laughs> Welcome to radio. I have a sneaking suspicion that I have a I have a sneaking suspicion that people on air can hear you, but we here in the studio cannot. So for anyone so that's listening to this, say all sorts of Lance or Connor speaking. Um, oh. I'm not just an idiot. Uh, we appear to have no sound here in the studio, which is a tad unfortunate. Um, we'll throw to a song just so you don't just hear us bumbling and fumbling our way through uh, technological difficulties, which can be a bit painful. So we're going to bring you another 1970 song. Of course, we're going to keep it to the theme of the first year of Tune's existence. And we're going to have a song from an artist who has recently wrapped up the leg, the Australian leg of his farewell tour, Elton John's The Your Song or Your Song, coming up right now on Tune FM 106.9. It's a little bit funny This feeling inside I'm not one of those who can easily hide I don't have much money But boy, if I did I'd buy a big house where We both could live But then again, no Or a man who makes potions in a traveling show I know it's not much, but it's the best I can do My gift is my song and this one's for you Tell everybody This is your song It may be quite simple But now that it's done I hope you don't mind I hope you don't mind That I put down in the words How wonderful life is While you're in
horses Well, they've got me quite cross But the sun's been quite kind While I wrote this song It's for people like you that Keep it turned on So excuse me for getting But these things I do You see I've forgotten If they're green or they're blue Anyway, the thing is What I really mean Yours are the sweetest guys I've ever seen is the song It may be quite simple but now that it's done I hope you don't mind I hope you don't mind that I put down in the words How wonderful life is while you're in Don't mind, I hope you don't mind that I put down in the world How wonderful life is while you're in the That was your song by Elton John. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM. Touch wood, fingers crossed, we have resolved our technological issues that we were having. So we are joined by three former Tune uh, volunteers and employees. We are joined by Comrie Bucknell, Lance Jones, and Claire Connors. So we're going to throw to you guys now over via Zoom. Given that um, it might be a little bit interesting in terms of voices clashing, we'll try and see if we can get one person talking at a time. So I'm going to turn on the Zoom uh, channel now. Uh, Lance, do you just want to say hello? Hello. Okay, awesome. So uh, what has happened is um, we are again can hear... Uh, the audience can hear you guys speak. It's just uh, in the studio. We still have nothing. So um, now we're not gonna we're not gonna put things off anymore because we've already delayed uh, the audience enough. So what we'll do is we'll just start, I guess, with you, Lance. So just tell just tell our listeners how long you've uh, when you started, I guess, volunteering or being involved with Tune FM or the radio station under a different name, and how long were you here for? Well, I was never involved with the radio station under a different name. I always used my own name. But <laughs> I, can he- I can hear the laughter from Armadale all the way down here. Currently, I'm sitting in my study in um, Adelaide, in, in the suburb of Prospect in South Australia in Adelaide. Um, I was at Armadale UNE uh, at, starting off in 1977 as a, as a resident of Drummond College. And I started uh, announcing for Radio UNE, as it, as it was called then, um, back in 1977. In 1978, um, I put up my hand to be uh, station manager. So I was station manager in 1978. And then in 1979, I reverted back to being production manager. Wow. And, and um, Jim Vasey was the tech person. And Tony Johnson, I believe, was the um, 
the, the station manager for 1979. So, you know, I, I was station manager for, in 1978. Fascinating. Thank you for that little, uh, little I guess, background into your days of being so heavily involved with Tune. Uh, Comrie, I'll throw to you over now. Um, how about you? When did you, I guess, first get involved with Tune as a volunteer, I guess, to start with? Tune wasn't even heard of when I first got there. It was Radio UNE, which is that little offshoot from the two AD bits and pieces once a week. Uh, who were the luminaries there when I was there? Um, Peter Wilkinson, who went on to 60 Minutes. Gary Woods is probably still in the in the campus there somewhere. Fifty odd years later, <laughs> uh, Lynn Warner, who was another one of the she was one of the volunteers there. I think she's in academia now, maybe up in Armadale in the uh, superannuation or workers' comp industry. Uh, she used to be with QBE and the GIO for many many years. I've lost track of her completely. Um, so I was there seventy two, seventy three. And then at the end of 73, the old man said, guess what, um, there's not enough money around here, you've got to go get a job. So on um, Christmas Eve, there was an ad for the ABC um, as a radio con- operations person, applied for it and got that, and I spent 15 years at the ABC, wow. which was um, pretty pretty fascinating stuff. Um, so yeah, I did a lot of things at UNE, everything from answering the phone to getting <coughs> records out of the record library. Um, on air stuff, did my own specials, did a sporting program uh, once a week and a results program on Monday night, um, did specials. Um, I was the uh, finance business manager in 1973. Um, and I've basically been involved in radio on and off for ever, ever since then. That's amazing. So you, I guess um, working at Tune was a bit of a Kickstarter for you, a bit of a uh, oh, foot in the door. That got me the job. Yeah. I guarantee that. I mean, when I walked into this interview, they took 20-odd trainees, and I was the only one that had any form of, apart from a couple of internal people that had a little bit of media experience, I was the only one that really had any you know, media experience at all, of any format, no matter it was print, uh, radio or TV, and I'm, I'm guaranteed that got me the job. And uh, I had a ball at the ABC for 15 years. I got paid to enjoy myself. That's amazing. If you get a job you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Um, well, again, <laughs> thank you. Um, thank you, Comrie, as well. And now we'll move on to Claire Connors. Claire, again, thank you so much for joining this little reunion party. So I guess we'll pass the same question over to you. Uh, when did you first start getting involved with Tune slash Radio UNE? Well, I started getting involved with Tune, and it was Tune back, in, back when I was there, in 2012. Okay. In the, year, in the illustrious first year of tenure courts, uh, journey as station manager. I uh, got roped in to help with one of my mates' programs no, known as Boise on the Box and uh, ended up spending far more time than I ever expected to. Yes, I um, I can understand that, of course, for those uh, listeners. Tanya Cord is our amazing station manager doing wonderful work behind the scenes here at Tune. And Naomi, uh, who was just uh, one of our recent uh, joiners to our little Zoom session, uh, hello to you as well. Thank you for joining. Hi. And I guess well, to continue the line of questioning, uh, what was your first days of Tune like? When did you start working here? Uh, oh, week 1980. Okay, that's a good start. <laughs> Yep, and just, yeah, hung around the station for the next four years, really. Ended up being record librarian and did all these room discos around all the colleges and stuff like that. 
Yes, Tune does seem to have a bit of a knack of taking in volunteers and then not letting those volunteers leave. We tend to uh, get volunteers to no. stick with us over but the I time. don't know. It's a, it's a case of a not letting you leave. It's just you have too much fun there, so you don't want to leave. Well, that's true. That's certainly why one of the main reasons I'm still here. So I guess um, just going back, I guess, uh, mainly for Lance and Comrie, who have, I guess, you know, been involved with Tune a little bit further back than any of us were. When you guys first started out, there in your first days how how many people were there involved with tune would in terms of like numbers of announcers or volunteers was it are we talking a dozen more less um i would think in 72 three there would have been um well over a dozen at least a dozen on air um because you sort of had to do your sort of do you pay your dues before you went on air which that's that's okay and then um, there would have been probably another 10 or 20 um, volunteers doing this, that and the other. Like on the Friday Night Request show, we had about four people just doing things like picking records out, uh, <coughs> CDs, never heard of them. <laughs> it was all vinyl in those days, uh, 45s and albums. Um, we had about three people just doing all, all the hack work just for the request program on Friday night. Wow. That's like just there was Lynn Warner myself. Um, Steve Kelly was doing that program from memory. I don't know where Steve is these days. I've lost track of him probably forty odd years ago. But no, he, I think he might have been at the reunion in nineteen eighty. Uh, he was. Yeah. Oh, he was. Um, and I don't know. I've lost track of him since. And he then. was living in Armadale for a little while, I think. And then maybe moved to the coast. That's something that I had in my brain. Because we were, we tried to hunt him down for the reunion in whenever it was, 84, 85, whenever we had that one. Yeah, there's one in, in about 1980-ish. Um, yeah. It was after I'd left because I went back to uni a second time and then I was kind of one of the main people organising that reunion. Yeah. I got all the photos from it. Yeah, so you've probably got some uh, some incriminating evidence. Mm. <laughs> I, well, I think we've all got that. <laughs> I guess um, and I, I, maybe this is um, unique to radio stations, but it seems to me like just from listening to the way you guys speak about you know employees and other volunteers you guys used to work with, there seems to be a deep sense of community. Like you seem to be fairly well in terms of keeping track of everyone after you know you go your separate ways or you leave tune or they leave. It seems like everybody knows everybody. Mm-hmm. Radio UNE, as it was called when I when I took over in in, in seventy eight, um, it's always been very edgy. Uh, it's it's been on on the edge of of societal um, norms and, and 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 polite mores for many many years and many decades. And uh, it's good to see that nothing has changed. Now back in the seventies, students were were um, you know we were always protesting about something, and we'd always have something uh, some bee in our bonnets that we. We'd be on about, and it was great to have that public forum where, where we owned the station. We, we mm. some of the stuff we were pumping out was innovative. And um, for example, for example, the um, after Bon Scott had um, regret, unfortunately left, shuffled off this mortal coil. We were hanging around the station because we get record companies sending in records. Um, I remember one time the the Brown box came in with the new releases from the record companies we opened it up and there was this black <gasps> sleeved record oh goodness me and it was like what is this 
its ACDC back in black a good six months before it was released. Oh, God. And we all just looked at each other, raced into the studio and said, um, listen, everybody, we have just received this thing from the record companies. We don't know what it is. We haven't listened to it. What we're going to do is interrupt normal broadcasting transmission and we're going to put this entire 12-inch on. We'll take a short toilet break in the middle while we flip the record over <laughs> and we will play it in its entirety. Radio UNE was the first radio station on the planet to play ACDC's Back in Black. You're kidding. And we were just sitting around the station and we put the record on and then that boom and we just were transfixed. How many times in any walk of life or even in any media situation do you get to do shit like that? I was going to say never. I was going to yeah. say that's absolutely incredible. It's a run of the record. It's a run of the record. Well, I mean, if they sent it to you, obviously they, would have been, they wouldn't have been too fussed with you playing it on air. That's, that's absolutely amazing. Yes. God. And then, of course, yeah, we, we didn't really have – I mean, I don't know what it was like in the early days, um, call me, but um, the, the – uh, by the time the late seventies came around, we we were um, uh, we had a, um, a sh we were sharing facilities with with the local community FM station, um, which shall not be named. Arf arf. Um. <laughs> uh, that now works out of a, a park near uh, the railway line. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but um, I mean, I have no idea what they're doing now. But um, there, there was an incredible uh, amount Who of cares? Uh, animosity between that, and we but we used to um, we we used to get our um, our free reel-to-reel -reel tapes, as it was back in those days, from from, uh, from places like Deutsche Welle and Radio Moscow, and Radio Moscow would send us um, <laughs> yeah. send send us tapes with all the um, glorious revolutionary broadcasts that um, this left-wing red rag red rag student station was going to be playing on air. Little did they know that we used the Volker Racer and used their really high-quality tapes for our own purposes. <laughs> but, but a number of years later, in 1982, I was I was wont to actually be in Moscow for various re reasons, and um, I was at, I was there at the guest of Radio Moscow as, as quote an important member of the Australian media unquote. And, um, <laughs> because they had on this record that, that Lance Jones, the, the, ra the station manager of, of Radio UNE, was, was, a, was a great acceptor of Radio Moscow radio programs. And uh, <laughs> I mean, how much real real-to-real yeah, real tapes at that stage were like very expensive, the good ones. And of course, we couldn't afford that because we were students, we, you know, and uh, yeah. we were pretty much unfunded. Yeah, I'm, I seem to remember in 73, uh, I think the annual annual budget was about four thousand mm -hmm. um, dollars. The record budget, I think we had about nearly a thousand dollars towards technical, like just parts and stuff like that, because the university would things would just appear on certain desks that happened to come money from the physics department. Um, things like electronic bits and pieces, they just appeared. But of mm -hmm. course, Mr. Woods was uh, the technician then. Yes. Um, the record budget uh, was about $2,000 for memory. Um, you were lucky. In 1977 and 1978, the budget was nil. Good right. well, we, we had a, two years on nothing. We had a deal um, whereby uh, John Argent, who was one of our, on our committee there, his father... Was it John Arch? His father used to work for a record company in Sydney. 
and we used to get records like LPs um, at whatever staff price was, like basically less than wholesale. And we'd also get a box of um, 45s um, quite frequently that would just appear. And that was John Argent's father. I can't think what the – it might have been Warner's. I think it might have been Warner Brothers. Mm. And all the stuff would just appear. Um, oh, some of the stuff we had there, Ravi Shankar. Um, and oh, some psychedelic stuff. I can't think of the name of it now. Um, it'll, it'll come to me anyway as to what it was, but – we, we played all the stuff and we was, we'd just ring up Argent and say, look, yeah, this is what we want, and he'd send us an invoice, mm. which was fantastic. Well, at least we got our records for free. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's, that went straight through the, uh, the early 80s as well. So while I was a record librarian, we regularly wrote to the, all the record companies and they would send us the, the singles that they wanted, um, wanted to push a little bit. So we often got stuff well ahead of um, when the commercial radio stations were playing them. And as Lance said, we'd stick them on air straight away. So we were well ahead of, of the curve with all of that. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Yeah, we were doing that too. And, and that's, that to me, to my mind, is the greatest value of, of uh, radio stations like Radio UNE, Tune, 2UNE, FM, um, various, its various names that it's gone through. The, 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 as long as it is jealously guarded by the students and, guard, and, and the, the, culture of, the culture of the places remain the same, regardless of, of the age of the announcers and, and uh, you know, you, you, you wheel out the crusty old buggers like us and put us on here for a reunion show. But the culture has remained the same. I, I'm, I, we were up there um, just um, last year, I believe, was it, Tanya? And I, I called in and um, the, the place feels the same. The, 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 the same attitudes, the same edginess, the same out on the, the, the outriders of social mores. Uh, that's what students, that's what being a student is all about as far as I'm concerned. It's, it's, a, it's an education. Yeah, you get your degree and you move on and do things, but it's an education that you just cannot get any other way. And radio yeah. is, is unique like that. Yeah, Lance, when you were there, were you still in the Milton building? We were still in the Milton building. Yeah, right down the end of the corridor, the right last the end three of the corridor. Or four. And, and, and Evie's parts one, two, and three, and Inagata de Vida by Iron Butterfly made excellent toilet records because you could run right down the end they of the corridor of the Milton building and then run right. Heaven forbid if I got a scratch, go Inagata, Inagata, Inagata. <laughs> happened a few times, but then. Uh, yeah, I think that, that might have been one of the, the sort of pseudo psychedelic albums that we got when we were there. I, yes. Actually, I think I might actually have my original copy of that somewhere. So obviously, um, Claire, you would have, I guess, when you first got involved with Tune, we would have been in our current location up in the northern courtyard next to the uh, next to what is now called the Stro and what is obviously the cafe life since been built. So we've obviously, uh, the Tune as a whole has been um, very much shifted. Uh, the Tune building and the Tune location has shifted uh, with time, but obviously the uh, the attitude and the spirit of Tune very much does not. So the, the station may have shifted, but the community has not. Absolutely right. So we've been. Um, so we are going to jump to another seventies song um, for all of our listeners that are tuning in. We will be back after this. Uh, we, I should have mentioned before, uh, during our technical difficulties, it completely slipped my mind. The reason that we picked Everybody's Talking by Harry Nilsson to play as the first uh, song of this little reunion special is the very first track that was played on Tune FM back when it's Radio UNE days in 1970. The original station manager, who is known apparently by Swinging Dick Mutton, which is 
amazing, uh, played Harry Nilsson's Everybody's Talking as the very first track. That was our little shout-out to, uh, I guess, uh, our history. So for now, um, I will remark that as of Monday, the 27th of April, tune will officially be 50 years old, but this song seems very appropriate. We've only just begun. Coming up next by The Carpenters, you're listening to 106.9 Tune FM. We'll be right back with some more of our amazing guests. We've only just begun to live White lace and promises A kiss for luck and we're on our way We've only begun Before the rising sun You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM, celebrating our 50th birthday. Uh, you just heard we've only just begun because we've been here for 50 years and we've got no plans of stopping anytime soon. So uh, I'm going to rejoin the uh, Zoom chat. Of course, we because we're operating this on a variously different stages of difficulty because of the COVID-19 outbreak, I am talking in the studio and we've got the Zoom session currently on mute for you guys. So when I do uh, turn the speaker back on, there may be a bit of a commotion. Just a heads up for all of our listeners, just not 
to be alarmed. But we've had to we've had another visitor join us in the Zoom chat. We will talk to Tyrone, who was a relatively recent alumni of Tune, actually. So we'll see if we can bring him on right now. Uh, so hello to all of you again. You are back on air. Tyrone, are you still there with us? Yep, yep, I'm still here. Super. So, uh, before when um, we've when the show started, and I asked all of these wonderful uh, fellow Tune people what sort of what year they started at Tune, what their sort of activities were at Tune. So, what was yours? When did you first come aboard the Tune train? I believe I started in the Tune train in it would have been 2016, 2017, maybe 2015. Pretty recently, quite recently. Okay, and were you here for long? Uh, well, until I left uh, left town, probably two years ago now so okay, I, I was yeah i was involved for a solid year a year and a half i think that's fantastic like i said we've got a um we've got a wide gamut of people throughout tunes history we've got people from the 70s from the 80s and now from the from 2012 now we've got people like yourself and myself who are relatively recent uh volunteers here of this wonderful radio station so what did you sort of what was your role here at tune did you have any particular thing that you did I was a presenter. I ran two shows. I was the co-host of Geology, the hard rock and heavy metal show that ran on, I believe it was Thursdays, maybe Fridays. And I was also running uh, Dungeons and Dragons live on air. I believe that was every Wednesday from 10 p.m. till 2 a.m. I'm amazed anyone actually listened to that, honestly, but um, Tanya always told us we had a, a spike of listeners at that point of the day. Well, yes. Honestly, um, one of my one of my greatest regrets is I we, we don't have recordings of those Dungeons and Dragons sessions because I'd love to listen to them again. That is a right shame. I know um we had actually it's interesting that you bring those two up because we had a revival of a Dungeons and Dragons show um that was on last year and it may come back uh, in the future. We're not too sure, obviously, given that what's currently happening in the world. Um, it's kind of falling apart, but we'll um, we'll see how that comes. And geology, interestingly enough, uh, has had a few iterations over Tune's history. Of course, like Tyrone said, the hard rock and heavy metal show, the one time a week where we could play uh, some of the heavier music for people that are into that sort of thing. Um, geology, of course, was brought back last year in a rather short-lived version. I was lucky enough to be able to present that one. And geology, as well as Dungeons and Dragons, may be making a return at some point in the future if all things go to plan, which would be amazing. So for anyone who's listening to this, if you have, you know, any sort of desire to hear Dungeons and Dragons or geology return to tune, let us know. Get in, um, Send us uh, an email, send us a message on our Facebook page and let us know if you'd like to hear it. Because after all, we all are powered by students for students. So we want to make sure that our students and our listeners are getting what they listen to. So um, just, I guess, contrast it to, because Lance and Comrie mentioned before that when they started, they had, you know, fairly limited budgets and fairly limited equipment. So um, I guess Tyrone and Naomi, this one's more sort of aimed to you guys. When you first started, how did you find the uh, uh, equipment available to you, the, um, the studio itself? Did you find it decent for a radio station? Was it what you were expecting? Yeah, it was, well, uh, it's probably most of the same equipment that's sitting in front of you right now. I found it really easy to use. I, I had no experience with any of that stuff, honestly. Um, the only thing that was really a challenge was getting the record player to work. <laughs> <laughs> Ancient technology. Just, I couldn't do it. Um, Tanya, Oi, again, magic wow. touch. Wow, <laughs> we got some shots fired there. Ancient technology. But I remember, well, I remember that was... Sorry, Claire. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember it was the Friday night uh, training request show that I was on. And one day we just couldn't get the stack to work. Like the whole system had gone down 
we ran entirely on CDs this night and no one noticed a real difference except we were playing stuff that wasn't really played much these days. <laughs> oh, you ran entirely on CDs. <laughs> That's so, dreadful, isn't it? Yeah. Naomi, don't we feel? I know. So when I arrived there, there was nothing like what you've got in front of you now. We had two record players. We had a stack of cart machines behind us. Yep. Do you know what a cart is? Of course, of course. Good, yeah, just checking. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we would just, I learned how to slip start a record. That's my, my claim to fame when everyone goes, what did you do? I went, I learned how to slip start records. Very, very good at it. Hmm. Also knew how to time it out exactly and lean over the top of the desk if need be to press the button to start the next one. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, the what you get. not telling you about that time that the stack went down is I had our entire system was dying at that point I and mean, it was like I was on 24 hours a day seven days a week and they deliberately ran the stack all night manually so that I could get some sleep and then woke me up at 6am saying I'm sorry we just can't do it anymore but they ran it all night just to let me get some sleep well, of course, you do realise, Tanya, that you're going to go down in history as one of the legend managers. You do know that, don't you? And in 50 years' time, when Tune Rune, whatever they call it, then it will be celebrating a hundred years anniversary. Are we talking in in hushed tones about Tanya Court? You we'll see. That. You say you say that, Lance. I have genuinely had conversations with the, uh, I guess, the higher ups here at Uni Life and UNE. I am going to see for maybe our next anniversary, whether it's seventy five or a hundred years, if we can get a giant like Wally Lewis type bronze statue of Tanya out the front of <laughs> Tune FM, like a, a Mount Rushmore of Tune. We'll have the first station manager. We'll have Tanya, and we'll have all of you fellas that were instrumental in bringing it. The Mount today. Rushmore of Tune. You could do it on. Side of Magic Hall. There you go, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think that Dick Martin, who I'm pretty sure was manager when I was first there. Good old swinging Dick Martin. He, he then went to Dubbo. Yes, he did. To 2DU. Yeah. And I think he then got on council at one stage. He was and may have, even, have been mayor of Dubbo or Western Plains, whatever they call the, the council out there. Um, I have a funny feeling Dick is still around. Yes, I googled him about oh probably two three years ago. Okay, and he's working as a counsellor, I believe. Wow, as in as in counselling people, or on the council at Dubbo. No, as in counselling people. Oh, okay, yep, yep. Okay, okay, that that you know that probably is a good distinction to make. They are two very different jobs, after all. <laughs> um, well, good for you. Um, it's it, nice to know that. Just about this slip starting of records, Naomi. It, it, sound, it, sound, it sounds a little obscene, but uh, j just to let you know, what, the, um, the the forefront of, of the, um, the uh, what do they call it, scratch? When when you get a record and you go whack a whack a whack a whack. Oh, yeah, scratch, that's scratch. Yeah, well, well, that actually started around the time when we were announcing because what a slip start of a record is, is you put put the, 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 um, the, the needle on the record and then you wait till it starts and then you wait for the first few bars of the song to come out. So it goes, I want to, and then you wind it back and it's near for it. And what you do to make sure that you had it and you had a felt, um, a felt turntable underneath that was going round and round and round and you're holding the record in, just, just in place while the turntable is going round. And the whole point is to queue up your record, you just let it go and it goes into it and you've queued it up. That's a slip start. But what would used to happen is record, some records were particularly melodic 
when you slip started them and when you were queuing them up. So you started, you know, like for example, everybody's talking. It'd be everybody's talk. Then you go yes, no, for first net, and you would make a little rhythm going on in your headphones while the other song was playing. And so, like the other song might be playing a riff, and you'd be going yes, no, and that started the whole scratch sound. And DJs in America started doing it, and it caught on. And um, mm. when, when I first heard it, I thought, hey, I've been doing that for years, and no one had listened. <laughs> <laughs> I um, th- yeah we do st- we we've still got a we've still got a record player here at Tune nowadays okay. it's um we've still got a enormous stack of records on our shelves in fact um that we've obviously kept oh, yeah we've still got um we've still got I'd say at least a hundred if not more of records that we've still need to get around to digitizing and getting into our system um it's a shame that record players are so uh, difficult to get these days um. Uh, vinyl's coming back. Oh, it is. That's true. It's um, CDs. And CDs is on the way out, and vinyls is on the way back in, which is rather surprising. Uh, just on on the all night thing, and, and making sure things kept going. We used to have a reel to reel called Fred. Do you remember that, Lance? Uh, yeah, but we called him Adam. Uh, oh, Adam. yes, Adam. We called him Fred. Uh, yeah, well, well, you, that was you, you youngsters that was came Dallas. in and changed his name, but it, but he was originally Adam. Adam. Adam stood stood for all day album music. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Fred was fucking ridiculous. Well, am I allowed to say on radio? Oh no! It's too late now. Uh, <laughs> Naomi, you can't say fuck on radio. I didn't you know that? Sorry, Tanya. Twice. Um, <laughs> That, I don't know. I don't know what it was like for you guys back um, when I first started. We had a little bit of tradition where if we did a radio show and someone accidentally dropped an f bomb, we had to apologise to the station manager, which I always thought was amusing. And it's a habit uh, I've, not, ben, I've not yet kicked. Ben, I need to ask you a question. Yes. What the fuck is an f bomb? <laughs> <laughs> um, that would be. Uh, isn't it the hole on a violin? <laughs> I think that's what that's called. Uh, it's I'm so sorry. I just wanted to say, in, in relation to the that, that Adam or Fred, whichever one you want to call him, uh, would sometimes have some difficulty. And I was the only one who lived at Mary White, so I was the closest to the radio station. So every time that it had problems, I was the one who had to get out of bed, run up the hill. It's, and fix the thing. It's interesting you say that, Naomi. I remember once, <laughs> it was last year, um, I'm not entirely sure what happened. I suspect that um, there was a show the night before had accidentally forgotten to turn wide orbit stack back. I did forget to turn the stack back on, so we just had dead air. I, we, I turned on the radio at about 10 in the morning and uh, heard there was nothing, and I panicked and completely forgot to te- message anyone telling what was wrong. So I headed up here to fix it, and then I think it was two other people got here at the same time because all three of us had found the problem. None of it, in our panic, none of us had bothered to message anyone to see what's <laughs> going on. So all three of us, uh, roughly the same time, got up here just to press one button to bring the, to bring the you, you station know, ben, back on. when you, you woke up and you panicked and, and you got straight up here, I thought you were going to tell me that you, you got up here and you forgot to put your trousers on. <laughs> I was going to say that if that was the case, I'd be bloody glad we were on a radio station, not a TV station. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, in actual fact, during during my time there as, as um a station manager, we used to have a, a radio program that was a midnight to dawn. We used to call it the doggy shift, and uh, not the graveyard shift, the doggy shift for some reason. I think Steve McDonald called it the doggy shift for some <laughs> nefarious reason that I'll, that I'll never know. But um, we actually we actually had um a nude radio show. Oh, and, and and the guys did it in the nude. They they, they it wasn't anything particularly out of the ordinary, but they just took off their clothes and sat in the studio and did it naked. And it was nude radio. So there you go. I'm pretty so, so be real. We, we could probably claim we're all nude right now. 
Well, what was that? <laughs> yeah, what, what years was that nude radio? Because oh, seventy-seven, I think. No, I it's about, about the same time. I think it might have been seventy-six or maybe five on Double J. Um, uh, I think it was Gail Austin. Mm-hmm. Made a big deal, spat all over the papers that Gail Austin was doing her program topless. Ooh. Oh, oh, wow! And it was all over the papers, and yeah. Gail Austin, of course, been hangman radio for quite some time after that. But yeah, we did some amazing. One thing I haven't heard mentioned um, was one of the names when I was there. We started off as the Student Power Radio. Yes, of course, still mm. still a tagline we use to this day. And I may actually have a, an old Student Power t-shirt in my boxes of stuff then we went to the rock of new england the rock of new england 1630 (laughs) une i used to do the voiceovers for it ah well so that happened about 73 i think late 72 or early 73 we changed the idea of it Mm. to the rock of new england and then amongst that in that period from memory there was the commercial radio ban on Australian music. Yeah. And, of course, UNE, because we had an experimental licence, all the broadcast law did not apply. So guess what? We could play all this Aussie stuff, that no commercial station, um, no mention of 2AD, of course. Under the old PMG licence. Yes. Mm, that's right, yeah. It was an experimental licence until fairly recently, I believe. And now it's an it's an eight pound license now, isn't it? I believe so. Yes. Yeah, it, it's not actually. Um, I went through all the listings the other day on Cromacma, and um, I couldn't find UNE on the normal FM scales. So I think it's an H pound license. It was a narrow cast when I was there. Okay. Okay. And that was 2012 to 2014. Narrowcast as recently as that, okay. Yeah. Um, we were one of the only, Austra- I, I believe we were the only Australian radio station with a narrowcast licence at the time. Radio right. Germany has always been kind of different. And I remember talking to David Seaman and Kate Doak and Josh St. Ledger back in the day you know, back from my time, as to why we had this specific licence. And no one could actually give me a reason why, but I was told that if we were off air for more than 30 seconds, we could lose our licence. Good Lord. Okay, thankfully that's not... I'm I'm not aware of that still being a thing, otherwise we might have been in trouble over a few times the past few years. Well, Uh, that... that, We were in trouble when I was in... uh, When, you know, I was broadcasting too, because I can count at least twice when the stack went down and I had to rush up at 3 a.m., and I didn't drive. Because yeah, we used to turn off at one o'clock in the morning, I think. The last shift was 10 through one, then back at seven for brekkie. Um, then with Adam tape after nine o'clock in the morning with the album music, and then as they switched off about one in the morning, I think it was. In wintertime, you're crawling back to your, well, I was in Wright and Drummond College, and you're crawling back in the middle of winter freezing yourself off especially if you didn't have a car um well i think we'll um we'll throw to another song now um because we've had a bit of a while since we've had one i believe we actually had a request claire you requested a specific song do you want to tell everyone what that was i absolutely did i requested ghostbusters 
Now, Ghostbusters may not uh, be from the sev- from 1970. In fact, it was 14 years later, but it's a request, and we love our requests here on Tune FM. So we're going to throw right to Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr. from the Immortal 84 Classic Ghostbusters. You're listening to Tune FM on 106.9. We'll be right back after this.
That was Ray Parker Jr. with Ghostbusters on 106.9 Tune FM, requested by former Tune alumni Claire, who sadly had to leave during that song break. So, Claire, thank you for joining us, and we hope to have you on this show again uh, later on in the months or weeks to come. So I'm going to join the Zoom chat once again. We'll keep the insanity going. Uh, left is Comrie, Lance, Tyrone, and Naomi. So hello to you all. Thank you so much for sticking with us. I uh, hope that you're enjoying this little reunion Zoom party that we have going on. More fun than a bag of rats. <laughs> I've not heard that. I've actually, I've actually got a question. Yes, go, Tyrone. So obviously, right now the system is mostly digital, and putting a CD on is still possible, but uh, not extremely common. And in the past, it was purely records. But what's sort of the timeline? When did the records give way to the CDs? When did the CDs give way to the the, the digital? Yes, Tyrone, that's a question. I'm not expecting an answer. I just wanted to, you know, throw it out there and make the listeners think. Well, I know that, um, I mean, just in regards to, uh, I think, my experience, and obviously my experience with vinyls and air would be fairly limited, um, we still do have the option to, we've got a CD player that we can hook up to the system to play songs directly from CDs, but I do know that I, like I said, I first started volunteering here in 2017, and by that time it was still... um, we were, we were just um, importing CDs onto computers and then transferring the computers into the system digitally like that. So I don't know. Um, and Claire's just gone, so I don't know what things were like back in 2012. But um, uh, we still, to the best of my knowledge, we do have the ability to play vinyls directly onto the system through the vinyl player through hooking it up to the system with chords. I don't know if... I've certainly never had to do it in my time here, but I think it is something that we can still do. Um, and I'm not 100% sure on the time frame and when CDs actually first came about. Like, Lance Comrie, were you guys using CDs at all when you guys were working no. there? No. Oh, no, 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 no. When I was there, it was all, all vinyl and a couple of cart machines, which were about 300 tons each. I think they were made by CEI. Cast iron steel, they were made of. Well, I was just thinking just like lumps of concrete. They were so big. <laughs> they were about, about a foot, foot or so wide and a foot or so deep. And oh, probably eight inches high, and um, then you had to have a special one to record carts. And if you're really, really smart, you could actually get a number of things on the same cart, like for for um, jingles or whatever, and they go around in a cycle. Did uh, did you guys at any point, um, just I guess to build on the what Tyrone, Tyrone's question, did you guys ever have to uh, have the ability to play um, like cassette tapes onto the system? Did you ever use cassettes? <laughs> Uh, look, certainly look, not at UNA. No. Look, no, we we had cassettes, but they normally would like get caught up, and then you'd have to use the old pencil trick. Yeah, of course. But but yeah. look, look the the digital age. I mean, as I said, my last visit to UNE was was in August last year, and, and it was it was wonderful. The, the the whole digital revolution. I I do some some digital editing myself now with various things, but so I hate to regale you with the back in the day story, but Back in the day, I ran a, um, a, a talkback program. Um, Naomi would, would probably remember the talkback program because she was one of my, my, my um, greatest listeners and ended up, she loved it so much, she ended up working for the station. But in that time, the things you would do to make things happen, rather than having like a, a digital timeline and digital editing, the studio, it, nowadays it's all done with the click of a mouse right in front of you in a screen. Back then, I would have it at arm's length to my length to, to my left. I would have a cart machine. I would have two reel-to-reels at arm's length on my left. I would have a, a, a turntable on my left. I would have the REM spe- um, 
um, deck in front yeah, of me. Yeah. I would have a, a, another turntable on my right. I would have four microphones down the side. I would have a phone, an old analog phone. Now, to run my talkback program, and I'm not sure if you've still got them there, but they're artifacts now. They're the old lead brass things that you'd put in the middle of a 45 that had the big hole rather than the little hole. And they were really yeah. What I would do is I would get a, a microphone and I would get a set of headphones and I would gaff tape the headphones to the speaker part of the telephone and I would gaff tape the microphone to the, to the um, earpiece of the telephone, run that through the mic lead, and that's how I did my talkback program. Now, I've been, I've been listening to them just recently and it's just as good as any digital stuff. And that's, that's, the point, yep. that's the point I make about Radio UNE. It, 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 has been, it has been a frontier station since its inception, always trying out new things. And we, we, were, we were putting things together with gaff tape and sticky tape, and, and I'm sure Comrie can talk about the original REM panel that was, that was held together with bits of Band-Aid and string. And, you know. <laughs> that's amazing, yeah. <laughs> Certainly can. Um, yes. I mean, the, the genius really after the, the Gary Woods episode when he was the tech there, was Jim Vasey. Yes. And when he devised that synchronised, it all came out of one thing. It all came by, still came out phone lines, but, but all the, the transmitters, mm. uh, the signal went down its radio frequency frequencies, mm. so every, all the transmitters were synchronised. Yep. As opposed to them all wavering with their local oscillators. And you could be listening, you know, go two metres down the road, Ah well, <clears throat> I don't have I don't have any reception. But when Jim Jim put that together, in fact, I wrote a story about that for a magazine called Broadcast Engineering News, which no longer exists, because it was just stunningly intelligent what Jim did. And yet Jim just quietly did his stuff. Jim's retired now, by the way. Yes, spent many years at CFM. Um, now he's. Um I tried to get him on this this forum tonight, but uh, he's um, I don't know he's well, building, uh, building a stack somewhere. Right? Am, no, no, G G Jim Jim currently works for his wife. Oh, don't and, we all? <laughs> and she has a um, fabric importing business uh, based out of Narang mm -hmm. on the Gold Coast, and um, I think he got a massive payout out of um, whoever CFM became a part of. Because Jim just knew so much about what the plans for the entire network were, and um, I can only surmise he got an absolutely huge payout where he could not work in the industry for at least two years because he just knew so much. I must admit, I'm very much looking forward to meeting, uh, to speaking with Jim Vez. He seems like a fascinating individual. Oh, he is. He's very, very quiet. Very quiet. Um, but he was just technically just. Stunning, stunning. In well, fact, he started at four AK after two, after UNE. He started four AK in um, which is an Oki, which is a part of the um, Toowoomba was four GR for memory, mm -hmm. and four AK was the sort of the satellite station to it just up the road, and that's where he started as a technician. And then not long after that, he went to CFM, which then got tied up with. Um, I think Austeria, southern, wasn't it? Southern Cross Austereo, and yeah. then they had a reamalgamation, and Jim wasn't part of that. Um, but they had to pay him out massively. Yeah. Massively. 
yeah look and the, the whole the whole point about that 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 time i, I reiterate my point uh, about the um the innovation that, that yeah that yep, exactly innovation has always been a part of it so it, and we won't mention outside the law we won't we won't mention that um heaven forbid but um it it, it used to push the boundaries now now the old AM narrowcasts that uh, licensed the old PMG license that we operated under in the 70s was, was it, it only allowed a very specific area to the colleges of the campus of the University of New England. Yeah. Now, along comes Jim Vasey in 1979 and he manages to legally, would you say, or, or it, it, possibly not legally, but he didn't do anything outside of the law. All he did was adjust the oscillations of each different college's transmitter to make it go boom so that we were broadcasting as far as Gyra. Um, and that was that was the innovative, that was the stuff that, that, that Radio UNE is famous for. Students like, like yourselves, Ben and, and, and Tanya, that, that are, that are um, innovating and ready to push things to see how far you can make it go. You stop at unlawfulness, but you're ready to kind of try new things. And, and um, you know, by 1979, we were broadcasting all over New England, uh, which, which um, really annoyed our, our local commercial counterpart in 2AD because we were broadcasting further than they were. I was going to well, say, I've, I've heard that story of um, getting the signal to go as far as Gyra and Ural, and I was always curious to figure out exactly how you'd done it. So it's nice to know the actual the actual backstory as to how exactly that happened. Oh, uh, do you, you think you think Gyra was was um, a long way? There was actually a confirmed reception of UNE in Sydney. In Sydney, good go. God! How did you manage that? Jeez. Well, you've got to look. If you, you've got to understand the technology of AM radio versus FM. Fair point. With, with AM, you get skip and stuff like that. Yep. And apparently the reception was pretty crappy, <laughs> to put it mildly. But um, it was confirmed, uh, a bit like the old thing in shortwave system where you do QRLs, which is a, a response um, postcard saying, yes, we confirm that you've received this transmission date, time, blah, 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 and the quality, which was, if it was five fives, it was... Perfect reception. The five zeros was um, vaguely, you could sort of identify just if you're really good. Um, but mind, yeah, mind you, nothing. you wouldn't want to be standing next to the um, the, 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 the closet because each, each college had its own transmitter and then oh, yeah. it was looped around the roof of the colleges just as like a, a, figure, a normal figure eight wire, which then each college had it so it kind of spilled out to the rest of the campus so broadcast on the campus and th those listeners that, that aren't at UNE will, will um be advised that the UNE campus is a pretty big sort of place oh, so, huge yeah, yeah. so, so the, the broadcast area was a reasonable broadcast area but going to Sydney uh, to bump up the transmission that much uh, each each mini transmitter was it was in each of the colleges so that each of the colleges got an excellent reception you wouldn't have wanted wanted to have been standing next to that transmitter or making a cup of tea in, in, next to the next to the cupboard that the transmitter was. Uh, like. I, I, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that's the case. I think it was just it was just one of those freak transmissions that was heard in Sydney. Okay. And because Jim had put this thing, and I think I know Jim reasonably well. Jim's not the sort of person that would um, deliberately go out and flout the the law. He, he would, to my understanding is that 
for Jim, it, this was a technical exercise. Mm. We've got this problem inside the, the inside the colleges. It's an intellectual sort of stuff. How do we solve the problem? Mm. At audio frequencies, you're only going to move a short while, and you get phasing. At radio frequencies, you, you move a short distance, and the the phasing it doesn't happen. So to me, I understood that Jim saw, saw this as a purely technical exercise, yep. and found a a beautiful solution a rather uh, amazing solution to a problem i would have to say oh yes it was <laughs> we can uh again uh, just to interrupt just for a short uh, little thing we do want to say goodbye to naomi she uh she left so thank you naomi for joining it was wonderful to speak with you and get a bit of insight into what uh tune was like back in your time so uh we will hopefully speak with you again soon and just a reminder to any of our alumni who are listening to this who worked at tune uh if you want to come and join this Zoom session. Uh, if you want to come and hang out with us, please feel free to do so. Uh, this will be happening every Saturday for the foreseeable future uh, from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Uh, same yes are not guaranteed for obvious reasons. Um, I just wanted to, a, a question popped into my mind a few minutes ago, especially um, for you two, uh, Comrie and Lance. What did the university, like, what was the university's opinion of the radio station at the time? Like, what did they, what did, what, what did they think of what you guys were doing at that, at the time? You were closer to the beginning, Comrie, so you, you'd have more memory of that, I would imagine. Um, look, initially, it was actually the big push for the licence came from, um, I can't think of his name, but I think he was the, not the Vice-Chancellor, but came from someone extremely high in the physics department. Physics, yes. Oh, what's his name? And I can't think exactly who it was, but... Um, Are you referring to Professor Neville Fletcher? Neville yes. Fletcher, yes. yes, correct. Professor Neville Fletcher, yes, That's yes, correct. yep. And I, I don't think he was the vice chancellor, but he was a key moving force. Now, who, whoever got into Neville's ear? Now, I, I've never, don't think I've ever met Neville, but I would suspect academics in those days were pretty straight. Whereas the whole concept of Radio Uni was um, left of field big time. Yep. And obviously he was obviously receptive to this idea. Now, who got in his, in his ear, I do not know. But I have a funny feeling that Dick Mutton may have been one of them. But Dick wasn't doing science, was he? He was doing, I think, economics or arts or... He was, yeah. But you, you, must, you have to remember as well, Conway, that... Um in 1969, there was the Radio UNE committee, which um, had a, an hour-long spot uh, on 2AD called Town and Gown, because uh, yes. the University of New England was always um, like the Cambridge or the Oxford of Australia, where students would come and, and stay in the residential colleges to study. And of course, the university, as you know, the, the, the whole mad mile from the university to Kirraween was just pastures with sheep. Yeah. There was nothing there. So the university was physically separated from the rest of the town. So Dick Mutton and all his colleagues would make a radio show every year and it was like, oh, those zany students at, um, up at Radio UNE are now on air at 2AD. Almost reminiscent of the Footlights gang with, with um, John Cleese and Tim Brooke Taylor and, and, and what have you. Uh, a similar sort of cultural phenomena, which, which, which then, which then turned into Radio UNE, 
So, yeah. so the roots of Radio UNE are, are based in some pretty aus, 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 um, pretty aus, um, auspicious um, background with 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 with, with innovation and, and and pushing the social mores, as I've said before. Oh yeah, well, look, my understanding of it is that um, if if you or Tunis is now known as a community radio station. It was the first community radio station in the country by 10 years. Good yep. Lord, wow. The I mean, MBS, I think two MBS claim in Sydney claim to be one of the first community radio stations, which is now called Fine Music. Yeah. Uh, but Radio UNE was going long before then. I have it on good authority. 5UV in Adelaide is claiming to be the first community radio station in Australia and they got very annoyed when I told them they are not. <laughs> well, yeah, I've, I've, had this, I've had the same argument, if not yeah. um, strong discussion. Um, strong discussion. That's a very, <laughs> very a very polite way of putting it, Comrie. I'd say two to the gather up yours, mate. Yeah, well, that's about it because yeah, I had yeah, yeah. stationary, oh, we were first, we were, oh, excuse me. No, you bloody well weren't. <laughs> I just said, excuse me, have you heard of Radio UNE? And 1969, well, yes, as you say, Lance, that you know, that was the formation of Radio Uni with that one-hour program. It was one hour, I think, was on. It was one hour on a Wednesday night. Every whatever night it was, one hour, one hour a week. Um, and I, they did the tape and took it up there and da 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 and put it to air. I wonder if they use Radio Moscow tapes like I did. <laughs> I don't recall seeing too many Radio Moscow tapes there, but... Uh, I've got plenty of them. <laughs> I think there might have some Deutsche Welle tapes. Yeah, we've got a few of them too. Um, in fact, I may have still a couple lying in my boxes of stuff. Yeah, I reckon I've got I, I think I still have some in my boxes of stuff. Um, some clippings from Nucleus and maybe to, uh, maybe the Armadale Express. Um that concern Radio UNE, maybe some program schedules. I've got all sorts of stuff in my boxes of stuff. Comrie, I have on my, um, in one of my boxes of stuff, <laughs> the, record, <laughs> the recording of the Radio UNE 10th birthday special, which pulled bits out of, um, oh gosh, um, what's his name? Someone made a, a special in, two, in, nine, in 1976. Six or seventy-four or something like that. Um, it, it has an actual recording of Dick Mutton's first ever utterances on the air. So I, I will, I will actually try and digitise that and send it up to you guys. Oh, please do. Oh, that would be please do. That would be incredible. Yeah, I, I have somewhere amongst my boxes of stuff. I think an air check tape. Um, in fact, I, have, I think two or three of them actually. Mm. they may be on reel to reel. Because um, I think we saw the air check tapes on the ferrograph, which is in the rack outside of Studio A and B mm -hmm. at the bottom of the Milton building. Yep. Um, the ferrograph daytime was used for air checks, if you wish to do so. And mm -hmm. date after that, it was done as um, for the Adam tapes. <laughs> yeah, all day, all day album music. Yeah. Well, there sure is some history. Oh, history for sure, Tyrone. I um, I only asked about like what the reputation was like of Tune back in the like in terms of what the university thought, because last year and um, twenty eighteen for most twenty eighteen I was working on um on a little project that required me visiting the uh, archives, the UNE archives over in um 
over in the old uh, teachers college and when I went in there and I discussed what was going on it was working on a project for the nucleus um, at the time and I met the wonderful staff in uh, the archives, Michael and Will, to name a few, and then they said, look, um, and Philip, and they said, we'll point you in the direction of Bill Oates. And when the moment I said hello to Bill Oates and explained what uh, we were after, and I said that I was from Tune, he just went on for about 45 minutes without stopping, and he was absolutely gushing over the work of Tune and what um, what you guys had done with it at the uh, in the very start and what it had turned into. So I was just mainly interested to see uh, to hear if you know, you were always held in uh, such a high regard by the university at the time. Look, I don't, I don't think the university establishment, um, the, the Neville Fletcher sort of, I suppose, interaction or involvement. Um, yes, we were part of university life. Um, it didn't cost the university much except for, I suppose, you know, we lost a bit of real estate there in terms of office space, which is what I think one, two, three, maybe four offices, which was SFA in terms of you know, potential revenue. Um, but I think it, I think their view was that it kept a lot of people happy um, and there was this begrudgingly, well, the other students, we've got to let them develop and all that sort of thing. Um, I don't know what academia thinks these days in terms of what we were doing. Um, it, was, it was a different age and a different time. Some, of course it was, yes, yes. Yeah, and, and, and it was, it was back, uh, I hate the expression back in the day, but, but it was back in the day when, when um, a, a general education was actually revered and, and you went to university not just to get a degree. You, you, I, I, was, I was the first... Um, person in, in my extended family to get a university degree. And I remember my father, who is your classic old digger, he said to me, well, Lancer, you, you're a degreed man now. There was something <laughs> about having a degree. Um, uh, nowadays, everyone's got a degree and they wave it around and there's degrees in all manner of things. But um, it, it, it was a different type of education. Um, it was a rounded education. As, as I said, there, Australia is always a decade or two behind um, the rest of the world, maybe not now with the digital age, but back, back then in the analogue age, it, it would take a little while for Australia to, to catch up in, with, this, with the, um, the, the, the social mores of, of the rest of the world with Europe and, and America. And a decade or so before um, the, the Radio UNE started up, as I said, there was the, the footlights culture in some of those universities in, in Cambridge. Um, Radio UNE, to the best of my knowledge, looking around, was the closest Australia had to that. Um, and it's, and, and it, it, it's, it's fostered... I mean, Jim Vasey can talk about um, innovation from an electronic age and he can talk about the innovation of... Of, of, of broadcasting and, and narrowcasting and AM, the transition to FM. Um, I can talk about the social construct at the time. The, the, yep. the, the radical, the radi it, we were radical, but we were radical not for the sake of being radical. We were radical because we wanted to improve society and we actually did. And we did so through the means we had. We had our own radio station. We had Nucleus, which was one of the best student radios, student newspapers around. Um, we had a culture. And that culture has remained with tune it's still there you can feel it whenever you walk in the door 
And that's the thing that needs to be guarded. Whatever the current custodians of Tune are doing, that's one thing. But as long as you guard that culture, that's that's the, the if there's a blast from the past so resonating that message in your brain, any students listening tonight, and they're probably all switched off by now because there's a bunch of old buggers talking about the good <laughs> old But any students that are listening now, keep carrying the flame, guys. You've had innovators like Professor Neville Fletcher, Zelman Cowan, who became Sir Zelman Cowan, who, who I met and spoke to on a number of occasions. Um, Actually, I think Zelman was the, the VC at the time. He was. He was, and um, he, he, he opened the radio station. He went on to become Sir Zelman and Governor General yes. of Australia. Is, yep. he, is, is, he, is Sir Zelman still with us? No, he's not. He died oh. some years ago. But, but he, he, um, he, he made a, another speech um, at the Radio UNE's 18th birthday, of which Naomi and I were both at. Um, so, so he, but he's, he's departed us since then. But the, the cultural side of things, you know, you, you guys there, any students listening there, you can take pride that the that, that University of New England and Radio UNE or Tune FM is the closest thing you're going to get to that, that radical footlights culture of Cambridge that, that fostered John Cleese, Tim Brooke Taylor, David Frost, um, the comedians and the entertainers and, and the social movers and changers of their time. You guys have got it right there at your fingertips. You can do the same thing. Which is I, I, just, if I can just amplify on what you've just said, Lance, is that yes. my understanding is that Radio UNE, um, this is post the 2AD section of it, mm-hmm. uh, was the first student radio station outside of the USA. Yes. And I therefore suspect probably the same outside of the UK. Um, so they, look, even though some of their programming may not have been extraordinarily radical in certain terms, but yes, they were playing music that was not governed by uh, a dollar sign. It was governed by this is what the people want to listen to, i.e. Jethro Tull. Well, who had heard really of Jethro Tull uh, in the wider audience in 1972? No one. No one. Um, being able to broadcast ACDCs back in black a good three months before any station in the world. In the and, world. Was, yeah, and the Blue Album, I think, was Van Morrison. Being, um, able, being able to uh, interview uh, a Swedish heavy it, uh, metal band um, on the radio is something I was rather proud of that I was able to do last year. Um, I actually, yeah, I actually feel quite... Um, uh, I was a bit nervous starting out because I was in the presence of such... Uh, formidable trailblazers in regards to radio UNE and I'm just oh, shucks, ben. <laughs> so it's uh, I'm just sort of helping out continue the the line and continuing the station's long and fruitful history and hopefully just the beginning of many many years to come um we have another we've had another request come through so I'm going to just going to jump to a song now that will go for about three minutes so you're about to hear paper planes by MIA this is a request we had to play so we will comply to the person who requested that Thank you for the request. And we will be back with uh, Comrie and Lance and myself in approximately three minutes. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM. Here is Paper Planes by MIA. If you come around here, I'll make a more day. I get one day. 
That was She's Mine by Kit Moore on Tune FM 106.9. You just heard, uh, before that, sorry, we had the request of Paper Planes by MIA. So we're going to jump back to our Zoom chat. Obviously, uh, Comry and Lance are still here. Tyrone did have to leave, so thank you, Tyrone, for joining us, and hopefully we'll speak with you again soon. Um, we were having a bit of a discussion uh, during the song break, us and our Zoom chat, in regards to a uh, our wonderful station manager, and Lance decided that we should have it on air. So I'm going to throw the Zoom chat back on, and we will get this going. Um, hello, Comrie and Lance once again. Um, uh, yeah, look, but look, we're still here because by the, t- by the time you get to mine, Comrie's age, you've got nothing else to do on a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> So like, oh, oh, good! I'm helping. Yes, <laughs> we are. Uh, we are joined in the studio by uh, Tanya Court, our amazing station manager here of Tune FM, who has been station manager since 2013. And Lance, during the little song break we had, pointed out a rather significant fact. Uh, Lance, if you want to announce, uh, I, would, I would love to. I'd love to. T- Tanya, you, you, um, you, you and I have something in common in, insofar as when, when we both took over the station as manager, it was in pretty dire straits for different reasons. Um, I, I didn't stay on as manager for that long. I was only manager for about a year. But you've been manager for seven years. Yeah. Now, therefore, you are by far and away the longest-serving Radio UNE manager in the history of the station. So when they build this Mount Tunemore, Mount Broonmore, <laughs> You mean you mean you and Patrick Hall? You're the number one head. You're you're the you're the. <laughs> she'll be the most. She'll be the most uh, focused on it. Will be in the t- in the left. She will be no, the number one. No, That's it. she'll be number one, and then the rest of us will have little kind of cameo faces around. That yeah. yours will be looming large, my dear. You, no, you, you no. Are, you are the longest serving manager. No, that that's that's not how it works here at Tune. Tanya is oh, modest. Oh, I don't know about that. But Tanya no. is too modest. Tune would not be in the place that it is without the work that she has put into it over the last seven years. I, one hundred percent, do not. And I one hundred percent do not envy the person that eventually has to succeed her in the uh, in the rocks. I think they will have a size fifteen shoes to fill with size five feet. <laughs> I I think I think I've been incredibly lucky in a way. Like we. We absolutely have been amazingly supportive. We're now under UNE Life, who, um, for the for the alumni listening, they're they're essentially like the old union, but it's not a student um, organisation. They're 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 a corporation or a not for profit um, who run run the Stro, run Sport UNE, run the cafe, they run the medical centre. Um, the hairdresser, the advocacy and welfare here at here at um, UNE, and they they've been so incredibly helpful. Like they they abs- absolutely understand how you know student centric I am, which you know I am militantly <laughs> student centric. <laughs> By students for students is essentially uh, yep. Tanya's motto. Yeah. So you know, and they've they've been amazing in that you know we do we do a lot of big student events here on campus and that sort of thing and and that like I go into you know my my boss's office and you know and say okay I'm thinking about you know shipping snow to Armadale. <laughs> Oh, this sounds a bit like Dick Smith and his um, shipping a, a, an iceberg from the Antarctic. Oh, we should do that. Uh, no, oh, that was- <laughs> as, as as cool as an idea that would be, we would need to we would need to start a crowdfunding campaign to get yeah. the funds that would yeah. cost. Well, well, very well done, Ben. Iceberg, cool. I think, I think <laughs> Love the dad joke aspect of it. Yeah. I think 
I think that was actually Doug Mulray and I think Triple M. Yeah. <laughs> Just, a long time ago now. A long yeah, time ago. Yeah. Well, what, one of and our... look, I can tell you because I've I've had I've had limited. Well, I worked out. Sorry, Tanya, but I worked out many many years ago. This this whole radio stuff is a mugs game, and 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 you either you're either going to make it big or you're not going to make it big. Yeah. So I went into other areas, but uh, I I did as as a young person. I I I did my time, did a few shifts on Triple M, and and did some commercial stuff, and 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 it's all good, but. Uh, uh, and I and I'd do it again if I had to, but um, the the it never captured the magic. No. It never captured the, even though you're sitting there in the Triple M studio and you're going, I'm on Triple M, this is great. Mm. It's pretty shit, <laughs> but it's great. Yeah. Um, and, Lance, Lance, were you there then during the um, the Andrew Denton Mulroy era? No, no, this is Triple M in Adelaide. It's a, a bit, oh, okay, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Okay. But, but no, but look, look. It, <laughs> The, nothing will capture the magic, the feeling of being on the edge and the innovation of Radio UNE. Yeah. And Tanya, you, look, you know, you, you, you join the ranks of a whole heap of station managers who are still keeping that flame alive. And, yeah. uh, you know, if, if, you know, blasts from the past are saying, we've passed the mantle <laughs> on, but you've grabbed it. And you're doing well. You go, girl. You, yeah. you you got all the old farts behind you going, you go, girl, yeah. You know, and, and they have been from the beginning. You've got you the know. new guard supporting you as yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> new fart. Yeah. They feel slightly, slightly fresher. Because, anyway, um, like, I came into this as, you know, I had some experience in, in volunteering, um, but my radio days were a long, long time ago. And, you know... I got into this because the volunteer program here was in trouble. Yeah. And the the help that I received from, you know, like the likes of like Kate Doak, you know, Justin's Ledger, David Seaman, who who are here, Doak, you yes. guys. You know, like it was just incredible. You know, yeah. like we, we, we they sort of all popped up and went, Okay, if you need to if you need any help, just let yeah. us know. Kate Doke, and, and who, if if she's listening, another another pillar yep. of Radio UNE history, yeah. a, a stalwart. Yeah. The old farts. If I was wearing a hat, I would be doffing it right. Now. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're um, I think I think our main our main thing is is at the moment like you know like fiftieth, the event was going to be huge because it's us. Um, and you know we've been able to pivot and and sort of bring it all online and you know because that's what the situation requires. But the thing that I find amazing is we're currently in the process of upgrading our radio automation systems, and that's actually to allow um, it'll allow students from basically all around the world to be announcers on tune. You know, they'll they'll be able to no matter like what they're where they are, they'll be able to like log in and do their do their voice tracking and like do announcing and and get the experience because the biggest um, the biggest draw card for tune for for quite a while now has actually been getting experience work experience on students resumes because these days graduating with a degree isn't enough. They get. If you volunteer, well, a, a degree is a piece of paper, basically. Which uh, is very, which is very um, counterintuitive because 
back when we were at university, the whole point of the university system and the culture was to get involved in things like you, you were judged on how much you were involved in the extracurricular activities yeah. and, and, it, and it meant that you could develop yourself and explore in other ways. You could get involved in student politics, mm. get involved in the radio and the media. Now, there was, there was after that, after we left, there was a period where people just went and got degrees yeah. and or degree factories and they meant nothing. Okay, you, you, you can tally up a balance sheet or you can stand up in court and have an argument. You can't do anything else. Yeah. Um, it's good that it's going back to that to that um, yeah. that side of things. And Tanya, I, I must say, the, the three the three of us that, that like three stage ex station managers that are here now. Um, well, sorry, you're not an ex station manager. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, the slip of the tongue there. But um, the, the three stage. I, I, ne- I was never a station manager. I was just. Oh, weren't you, Comrade? Oh. No, no, I was just one of the dogs bodies. Oh dear. Well, well, a, a very worthwhile dogs body you were too, yeah. sir. Let me just say well, the only managerial bit I had was I was the so-called business manager um, that, that had a this massive budget of about four thousand bucks a year, which was <laughs> then provided by the SRC. Yeah. The SRC, yeah. Well, Tanya, look, I've got to say, Radio UNE, Tune FM, Two UNE has gone through a series of series of incarnations, mm. and each one has has been characterised by someone who's who's taken it through that incarnation and through the, the, the social constructs of the time and passed it on to the next person. Now, we've got Comrie here who was right at the beginning of the station, who was like, okay, this idea of, of students broadcasting, what? Get out of here. We don't want to listen to them. <laughs> no, we're on, we're broadcasting, we've got microphone, we'll do, we'll broadcast our message. Then it comes on to people like myself and Jim Vasey and Tony Johnson and Steve McDonald and, and Naomi who was just on, you know, no, there's no money for this. We don't want to we don't want to be involved with students. We're gonna shut the students' voice down. No. We carry the students' voice forward. Now we've got someone like yourself. It's a whole new age. It's a different thing. I'm glad I'm not running it at the moment, but I tell you, we've now got the digital age. This COVID nineteen thing is making sure that we're all going to be online a lot more. Yeah. And Tanya, does does the hour maketh the person, or does the perfect person maketh the hour? It's fallen in your lap. You have now the opportunity to bring Radio UNE to the world, oh. and that is something that back in our day, Comrie, we, we we were thinking, well, let's let's fix the modulation and broadcast to Gyra. A couple couple of things I I think I I, I've only said this to two or three people elsewhere the whole of my life was that uh, at the end of 73 um, my academic record was uh, worse than (laughs) pathetic Um, like in second year I managed to get one subject uh, which is a full subject and I think that um, organic chemistry 200, which is like a half subject. Um, and I looked at myself and said, why did I fail UNE? I spent too much time in the Milton building. <laughs> Far too much time in the Milton building. I used to my essays up between records. <laughs> instead of having my head buried in a chemistry book or maths or whatever, it was buried in a, in a radio library. Or, or behind a microphone. Well, which, Corey, how long were you at UNE for, Radio UNE? 
Sorry? How long were you at Radio UNE for, Comrie? Two years. Two years. Well, well, the, the, we, we instituted a, a system whereby there were many people like yourself who were failing all over the place. And uh, I, I, I had the ignominy of not failing, but, but, but pulling back and going part-time because I was enjoying things too much. And I was doing a bit of jackarooing out at, uh, out at um, Glen Innes as well, so to make ends meet. But uh, we decided that what we would do, if people who weren't getting their degrees in, in full-time, we decided to, to make an honorary degree cycle. So after one year, you had um, a certificate of boogie. After two years, you had the the the, the um, associate diploma of boogie. After three years, you got the, the bachelor of boogie. Okay, you know what? Four years a master of boogie, and five years was a doctor of boogie. Okay, I, I, I sit before you, ladies and gentlemen, as as a doctor of boogie. I actually really like that. We should bring that back. We I should, am. Our I volunteers am. should get a certificate. You are an emeritus professor of boogie. Yeah. Well done, you. You, you joke about that, but like through some just insane timing, um, the basically the week I started here, um, like the week before my mother had passed away. Oh, dear. And, um, and she had she had worked in, in volunteer management herself. Like she was where I, I learnt you know so much about about the job and how important it was to you know put your volunteers first um but the the amazing volunteer crew that we had here figured out that when i got sad my taste went to disco so every now and again they'd just wander in and they'd put the bgs on so there was so there was this period in 2013 where Tune FM all of a sudden went a bit disco for no apparent reason <laughs> other than the volunteer crew here. Well, you do understand that uh, Midnight Oil in their early yeah. formative days used to be very frequent visitors to the, the campus of University yeah. of New England. We got to interview them quite a lot. And um, um, one, of, one of my claims to fame is I'm actually very good friends with the original singer of Midnight Oil. Oh. who was not Peter Garrett. No, no. <laughs> but that's another story for another time. But, um, but, but um, Midnight Oil used to have as their catch cry, death to disco. <laughs> yeah. So, so. Uh, it's yeah. only when I get very sad and, and I haven't, you know, quite figured out how they figured out, you know, that that was the case. You know, but you know, but they were just an amazing like bunch of bunch of like students that like here. Um, yeah. Well, can, can I can I add to the the sort of a um, um, illuminous um, people who went through UNE was Don Walker. Yes, yeah. he was a Drummond College resident. Hmm, certainly was. <laughs> yes, you were there at the time, were you, Comrie? I'm sure that would have coincided yeah. with your your time. There. I was there in seventy two three. Um, I I can't can't recall meeting Don Walker then. Um, I didn't go to, to Drummond until the end of seventy two because I had a horrible experience in Wright College. Um, Comrie, you, you do know the um the, there is a, a song. By Don Walker, that was um, sung by Jimmy Barnes on, I believe it's their, their um, oh, I, I forget which album it is, but it, it, it goes by the name of Four Walls, Wash Basin, Prison Bed. Oh. I'm, sure, I'm sure you know that song. It was actually written, Four Walls, 
wash basin college bed. <laughs> he wrote it about mm. Drummond College. Really? Okay. Well, so the legend goes. I hope that's true. I really hope that's true. I, I become educated even more every day. Um, I had the good fortune of um, back in 1981, I was in a local Glenninus band and I used to commute. I was the lead singer and, and rhythm guitarist and uh, we had the, the, um, the, the wonderful opportunity to, to join Cole Chisel on their, on their, um, their tour of, of northeast, northeast and New South Wales and southeast Queensland and uh, I, I got to know the, the, the lads very, very well. And, um, now, and, and then one, upon moving to Adelaide, I, I, I soon learned that, um, that, that the city of Elizabeth, which is a satellite town north of Adelaide, was mm -hmm. home to Jimmy Barnes and his, and his half-brother, John Swan, who, who um, I'm currently Facebook friends with. So oh, there it, you it, go. It rolls on. It rolls yes. on. Now, now, another person that you may or may not recall um, who was a manager there was um, Pascal Lay. Pascal Lay, yes, I do remember Pascal Lay. Met him on a number of occasions. Fine young gentleman, very yes. handsome. Should have been made a James. Should have been made an Australian James Bond. Right, <laughs> yes, he, he had he, the look, and he had he had the, the the thing going on. He had everything. He did. He, he did had it all. I was jealous. At that stage, I was losing my hair, and oh, I was jealous. <laughs> well, 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 Pascal then went to Ten FM in Tenerfield. Yes, he did. Where he was the manager. Then I recruited him out of there to go to. Um, MCE uh -huh. as assistant manager, and then I, I left MCE because I, I was, it was a shit fight, to put it mildly. So I was, and I wasn't looking after myself. I said, okay, uh, what was most important was the station. Yes. So I said, okay, I just, uh, one sentence later to the vice chancellor, I said, you know, I hereby resign, blah, boom. <laughs> um, yeah, you've got to do it properly. I mean. Well, I, I, it, it, it wasn't about me. It was about the station. Yes. Um, MC has gone on to do a few things. They, they had a few problems, I believe. Anyway, um, I then recruited Pascal out of 10FM uh, as the assistant manager to MCE. Pascal then went on to WEB at Burke with Ian Cole, who's now decided to go with the cotton farmers. And Pascal, I then believe he took us up to manage 4VL Charleville, which was the first case ever whereby a community radio station actually owned a commercial radio station. And there was a, a shit fight going on for and quite a time. And it was the radio UN alumnus that did it. There you go. <laughs> and, but basically, the, the, the long and the short was that um, if ACMA wouldn't, or whatever they called it in those days, if they wouldn't let WB buy for VL, for VL just close. That was it. Walk away. Um, the last time I spoke to Pascal, he was living in Canberra with another, I think, um, alumni, not living with, but he lives in Canberra. And he's now, I believe, a financial advisor. Yes, he is. Something like that. Left the industry completely. Um, Naomi is not with us any more tonight. Naomi, Naomi would still know um, Pascal's whereabouts, and she'd be able to contact him. I'm sure. Um, I think I've still got a phone number for him, actually. Um, and he was very good friends with a lady called Eva Cawthorn, aka Grubby. 
correct the mundo. <laughs> haven't have not seen Grubby for oh, 25 years minimum. I've seen I, I haven't seen Grubby for about four. So uh recent yeah. history. The last last I heard she was at I think living in Queenbean or thereabouts doing something or I can't remember what, but now, now, um, Tanya, Ben. Yes. Th th this is a this is a request show. Yes. And um, we're we're coming up to the end of the the the, the session because we we're going till nine o'clock and uh, we don't want to completely <laughs> bore the the, the um the, the, your listeners with oh I remember the old days we oh yeah. uh, luxury what we had turntables we had to do them with our fingernails you know we don't want that <laughs> stuff going on because you're gonna we're gonna the living day. I mean, I can I can feel their limbs dropping off as I talk. Because they're chewing off their limbs rather than get bored <laughs> something to do. So so what what I'd like to do is I'd like to make a request. Okie dokie. Song. When I first started off in Radio UNE, AM sixteen thirty, back in the day. Back in the day, Students I used to idea. Yeah, I the Rock of New England. Thank the you. Rock, yes. Thank you for the tagline, Comrie. We are, we, we, are we are still student powered radio. Student powered radio. Yep. Bet you weren't magic radio. Um, no. With a mushroom as, as, <laughs> as yeah, that, that we had that for about a month. And that kind of. But <laughs> what I would like to do is is back in the day, I there was there was a song by Ray Stevens, and it's it's a really old song, and it's called Along Came Jones. Ah, yes. And I, used, and I used to use that as my theme song before I went on air. And I would say, ladies and gentlemen, good morning, Armadale. Good morning, campus. Lance Jones here for breakfast. Here is my theme song. I'm here for you till 9 o'clock, so enjoy your wee picks listening to my dulcet tones. And I would play Along Came Jones by Ray Stevens. So if you can manage to dig that up. Along Came Jones. Blow the three feet of dust off it. And play that for me. I would be really, really appreciative, and I'll get all teary because I'll get, I'll get all, all, all nostalgic, and um, and 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 my lovely partner will have to get me another glass of wine just to to make it go away. Well, we'll um, we'll absolutely, uh, we'll we'll get that, we'll do that now. Um, so this is the end of the first alumni reunion show. We do plan to have it. Yeah, uh, yeah, we have. So we'll. Uh, <laughs> We are going, however, in order to play it, we are going to have to end this little uh, Zoom session. So we want to thank everyone that tuned in. We want to thank you and Comrie just especially. Just before you go, I just got a quick thing which I didn't see in my emails here. A message from Brad Smith. Not going to make it this evening. Next week's episode, I should be free. Enjoy the event and play some amazing tunes. Fantastic. Oh, no. we'll, we'll, be, we'll look forward to hear, to, see, to hear from him next week. So... Again, um, to everyone that did tune in, thank you. And to Cam uh, to Comrie and to Lance and to Naomi, Claire and Tyrone and everyone else that joined in over the space of this two hours, thank you. Uh, if you are Tune alumni, please feel free to jump on the Zoom session this time next week from 7 till 9. And if I may borrow a phrase from the uh, man that started it all, Radio UNE, the time is 9 o'clock or thereabouts. And we are now going to play out this reunion party with Long Came Jones by Ray Stevens, as requested by Lance Jones himself. You're listening to Tune FM on 106.9 UNE student-powered radio.
wheelchair and I turned on channel two. A bad gunslinger named Salty Sam I was a chasing for sweet Sue. He trapped her in the old sawmill and said with an evil laugh, If you don't give me the DDO ranch, I'll saw you all in half. And then he grabbed her. He tied a rope. Help, he's tied me up. He turned on the bus. He turned on the bus. Help, help, help. Wow, wow. And then along came John. Talking John. Talking Jones Along came Long Lane Lanky Jones Commercial came on So I got up To fix myself a snack You should have seen What was going on By the time that I got back Down in the old Abandoned mine Sweet Sue was a having fits That villain said Give me the deed to your ranch I'll blow you all to bits And then he grabbed Help, he grabbed Help, he tied her up he lit the fuse to the 